0: I'm going to take your Bibles and turn to Psalms 27:11. Teach me thy way, O Lord, and lead me in a plain path. But path, because of my enemies, deliver me not over into the will of my enemies. For false witnesses are risen up against me, and such breathe out cruelty. I have feigned, lest I had believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait on the Lord and be of good courage, and He shall strengthen the, thine heart. Wait, I say on the Lord. Let's pray together, please. Most gracious Heavenly Father, we do come before thy throne of grace and look to thee, O Lord, that you bless us in the services this afternoon and that all things were done to thy honor, to thy glory, and we ask your mercies upon those without Christ. You'd be pleased to save those in Christ That you'd identify, strengthen us in the faith that we'd be the people of, the, of God that we ought to be. And we just praise Thee and thank Thee in Jesus Christ's name and for His sake. Amen. Title of the message, We Need a Plain Path. Many people are living an aimless life and we see in generality that some of the people now, only friends they have is on Facebook or some other place. They really have little contact with people and they're just uh, going about their lives, if you will, as if if they're the only one exists, or or what way they're going. And, and so I mentioned that aimlessly, that's kind of like the life that they have. God's people are not to be like that. Uh, we are to, uh, things that we do should be on a purpose. And uh, we think about the true children of God, that both the spiritual and physical realms, if you will, that we need to be guided of the Lord, that we might know the good path or the plain path. We look about the spiritual goals that we set before us, and they need to be, the, if you will, the goals that God has set for us. Sometime we don't know exactly where the Lord has us to go, and we need a plain path. We need an opening of our understanding and that we not wonder about, if you will, aimless. Everybody, that, and especially God's people, need a plain path that's what David was talking about here. He's talking about because of his enemies that he might have a plain path that he'd be <clears throat> on the good way, if you will, the good road that God would have him travel. He didn't want to get over here and be amongst of his enemies, and he's on the wrong path. He's not on God's path. He's on his own path, and so he knew from past experience he needed to be on God's path. We might not know what tomorrow brings, but God does. He knows the end from the beginning. He knows the direction of our lives that He has set out for us. He <clears throat> knows, the, if you will, the plan that He has for each one of us. And sometimes we know very little of it. We, uh, we know maybe we should do this or that, but as far as long-term, plan, pl- uh, long-term plans, <clears throat> we might not know exactly what God is leading us or direct us to do, and he gives us those things that we need or have understanding so we, uh, if you will, that we get on the right track and be in the right place at the right time, uh, that God uh, would meet us, if you will, in that place uh, where he has uh, something for us or work or whatever it might be on that path. The best way in the spiritual realm is not always the quickest way or the smoothest way. Uh, sometimes God's road is not, uh, it doesn't have <clears throat> God's road doesn't uh, or does have potholes in it, and and sometimes it has uh, uh, <clears throat> uh, detours and things like that. That uh, sometimes people say, "Well, I think if if I was doing what God was supposed to do, I wouldn't have all this trouble." <clears throat> as long as you're in the flesh, you're going to have trouble. Yeah. Now, we just have to be sure what path God would have us to be on. We need a, a plain path because of the enemy. There, <clears throat> excuse me. In John ten ten, in John ten ten, <clears throat> and it says, "The thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and destroy. I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly." So, the life that Jesus is leaving us on is a life of abundance, and yet uh, this abundant living that Jesus talked about doesn't necessarily mean you're going to have a bank full of money. It doesn't mean you're going to drive the best car, and we just go on and on and on the things it doesn't mean, but it's talking about abundant life in Christ Jesus, a spiritual life, uh, if you will, that brings honor and glory unto him and 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 we have a relentless adversary seeking about who it may devour, there in first Peter five, eight. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, has a as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. And so we have a real enemy. We have one that if if we get in the wrong place, that <clears throat> that's exactly what they he do, he devour us. And if you know anything about lions, they usually look for the straggler. They usually look for the weak and uh, those, they, uh, those are the ones that it looks for and sometime it will scare the whole herd and see who's left behind and the lion will get whatever's left over. And our adversary is as a rowing lion. He similarly, he does the same things to, if you will, to devour, to destroy. And he's talking about children of God who he's after. Uh, he's trying to destroy our testimony. Trying to destroy us in some way or the other, or if you will, bring shame to our name. And sometimes uh, we find ourselves uh, trying to defend something we hadn't done. And and uh, God allows us to go through things like that. But that's the way our adversary is. And so we shouldn't be surprised when we have these difficulties and problems. But God will see us through every one of them. <clears throat> and I. Uh, He's constantly looking for opportunity to steer us in the wrong way, to steer us in unrighteousness, to lose our temper or whatever it is that uh, depends on what your weakness is. And uh, if you got a temper, sometimes he'll provoke us, provoke us, provoke us till we lose our temper and bring a dishonor unto the Lord. He often used biblical holy righteousness as camouflage uh, for his wickedness and is like a lion hiding out in the in the grass or you know, behind the logs or wherever, wait, wait to spring out. And so this is the way that uh, the devil does. And sometimes people we respect will try to lead us astray, go the wrong direction. Or somebody brings, well, what do you think about this passage of scripture here? And and if we're not careful, we'll go down. The, we'll follow the down, them down to the yellow brick road. As they try to, if you will, sidetrack us and get on the wrong way, it often looks like it often looks like all the roads. And and sometimes we're looking for the most comfortable. Uh, when I'm going cross country, I do not really like to get on two-lane highways. I like to be on the four-lane, six-lane, whatever it is, and where you can drive and not worry about stop signs, stop lights, and things like that. And so that's the kind of road we're looking on. But sometimes. God's got us on the two-lane road that's crooked, and it's got stop signs, and as I mentioned before, potholes, and it seems like it should be a smoother journey. Uh, We think about Paul and his journey, we look at his life. He, He started out on the Damascus Road, blind three days, and every time you turn around, they're either stoning him, or speaking evil of him, or blaspheming him, or he's shipwrecked, he's uh, being hauled off into prison, and and so he didn't have a smooth road, <clears throat> and yet uh, he followed the Lord, if you will, all the days of his life as uh, as good as any man could be. And I say that is that none of our perfect in our reckoning and reasoning. There's places in Acts we say, really, well, should have Paul done this or not? He's warned not to go down to Jerusalem, and yet we know that he needed to go there to go to Rome, and <clears throat> so they. Sometimes we might question, or if you will, uh, if you will, and and uh, even question the life or the road that we're on. And <clears throat> we find that uh, he has a lot of strength. Our, our uh, adversary. He's full of malice, cruelty. He breathes out, if you will, against the saints, and <clears throat> and he desires to destroy, destroy the church. And we see a lot of churches being destroyed. And they're usually destroyed from the inside out, and they get men in there or women in there that are, if you will, followers, uh, his followers, and they disrupt, destroy, and lead the church down a garden path. Our enemy is beguiling in Second Corinthians eleven fourteen, and no marvel for Satan himself is transformed into the angel of light. It mentions then his ministers are just like that. They're transformed into the angel of light. They appear like they're God's people, like, appear like good Baptist, sovereign grace people, and, and yet their purpose there is to destroy, to main, and if you will, just and, uh, do away or close God's church or change it to something else. They present a false way that seems right and often seems good. And Paul wrote in Galatians 1.8, by the Spirit of God, But though we are an angel from heaven, preach any other gospel unto you than that which ye, uh, we have preached unto you, let him be accursed. And uh, we have all kinds of gospels there. I don't know how many gospels they had back then. And there was a, a brother in Illinois who was going to, I think it was Illinois, who was going to say how many gospels there were, and he never did give me a number. And uh, and sometimes there's just a little deviation uh, from the true gospel. Sometimes it's a big deviation when people say you have to do certain things either before or after you're saved, except believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Then they've added to it or perverted it, or if you will, put it on a crooked road. And <laughs> some believe you if you're saved, then oh, you have the Holy Spirit, and others. Believe you have Jesus with exclusion of the Father, and some have you Father with exclusion of the Spirit in Jesus Christ. There's all kinds of messages out there in the day that we live, and so a casual observer might look in the, at the same uh, look the same, but if you will, in one in uh, full of life, and the is full of venomous poison. One is destructive, and one is life. And and sometimes we like the we like the path of least resistance, and so that's what we usually like. But and as I mentioned before, usually the path God puts us on is a path that's not that way. Uh, deliver me, not prayer of deliverance, and if you will, and uh, deliver me, not a prayer of deliverance. There in verse twelve. Deliver me not over unto the will of my enemies, for a false witness are risen up against me, and such as breathe out cruelty. And that is the one, worst thing you can try to fight when somebody's told a lie on you. And, and it's hard to fight it because oftentimes you can't prove it. I mean, uh, if they say you've done something on a certain day and you can't prove where you was at, you say, well, I was at home. Now, that don't mean a whole lot. And I've seen people being destroyed over something that, if you will, never happened. And uh, and, and, I, and 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 as far as I know, that never happened, but they accuse people, a preacher sometime, of flirting around and something like that when they're not. Other times, it's true, I understand that, but uh, people have been destroyed because of that, and back in the... Uh, and uh, back in the New Age movement days, back in the '70s and '80s, and of course that's still going on. Uh, and uh, but some people getting real particular about rainbows and and different signs and all things that the uh, New Age movement was using. And some preachers and <clears throat> didn't know any better. I had a preacher send me a a rainbow and card, and uh, some of the members seen that and they were. A little fanatical on the on that New Age movement, and so I had to write him. He didn't even know what I was talking about. I mean, he just sent a card out and a uh, thank you card, I think it was, but he had a rainbow on it, and uh, and he thought it was cute, or his wife did. I think she's the one that picked it out, and he sent it. Well, he wasn't a New Ager. I mean, he's just a Baptist preacher, uh, but it caused him if you will harm for a little while. Uh, sometime we use the enemy to real God uses his enemy to reveal the true in First Corinthians. And when we think about First Corinthians and all the trouble they had there, this is one of the explanations for part of it. There in eleven uh, nineteen, he says, For there must be also heresies among you, that they which are approved might be made manifest among you. Now, we've seen, look at that, and I think that kind of seems backwards, you know, that and there was heresies among them to, <clears throat> to show those that were approved or those that were true. And the problem is that sometimes God's people don't stand up. They don't stand up until they have something to stand against. And when they have something to stand against, then they they stand up and be counted. And I believe that's what it's speaking about here, that they reveal those that are true, those that would stand for Christ and not compromise and not give in, if you will, to the doctrines of the world. We need a plain path because of temptation. <clears throat> I was thinking about, uh, we was, I can't remember I think we was going back to California. I don't, I think that's where we was going. But anyway, they had a wreck on the interstate there. And it was at St. Louis. I, can't, I, I don't remember the before we, exactly where we was going. But anyway, they had a wreck, so I just pulled off the road in the East St. Louis. And I don't know if you've ever been in East St. Louis, uh, but it's not the best place to be at 10 11 o'clock at night. And so I was looking for the interstate, and I couldn't find it. I thought surely there'll be a sign down here somewhere, and eventually we run into something that got us back on the interstate. <clears throat> and we'd done the similar thing in Memphis. It needed gasoline. I got off the wrong place, and and uh, some let me know that I that I was in the wrong part of Memphis. And uh, so as soon as I got my gasoline, I took off and. We need a plain path that we don't get in East St. Louis or in the wrong place in Memphis or something like that. We need to be on the path that God has given us and that we not, if you will, uh, get into trouble. And when we talk about at least not to temptation, James 1, 14 through 15, but every man is tempted when he's drawn away of his own lust and enticed and when lust has conceived it bring forth sin and sin when it's finished bring forth death. And we mentioned this this morning in the uh, in the morning's message, and and, and the, uh, this, but it, when we apply it here, we're looking at if if we will that we are enticed to go down the wrong path, enticed to go down the wrong trail, and we need to know what God's plan is and what God's path is. Men lust to satisfy the flesh, and Psalm seventy-eight. Uh, seventeen and through nineteen, and they sinned yet more against him by provoking the most high in the wilderness, and they tempted God in their hearts by asking meat for their lust. Yea, they spoke against God. They said, Can God furnish a table in the wilderness? Well, to me that shows first of all they didn't know who God was. And and when the Moses was promising them that God's going to take care of them, they they complained about the water, you know, the bitter water, and then they, uh, Moses cut a tree and laid it in there, and the water becomes sweet, if you will, or drinkable, and they got out in the middle of nowhere, didn't have any water, and they started murmuring, complaining, and and he prayed to God, and God sent rain, and they murmured and complained about about the, the men are not having any food, and God gave them men to go out and gather, and he gave them the specifics how to gather it, and then when the Moses promised a quail, can God <clears throat> can God furnish a table in the wilderness? And we know the quail was about this deep all the way around the camp. And even Moses questioned God. He says, Well, you know, it's a lot of quail. There's a lot of people here. We think around three to six million people. And so <clears throat> if you just put a quail each person had a quail. That's a lot of quail. And Moses uh, questioned himself, and then uh, when God told him to tell the people, he went out and told the people. He didn't flinch. He didn't say, well, I don't know how it's going to happen, but it's going to happen. He went out and gave them God's Word. And sometimes we might cut back, if you will, when we know what God would have done or what God's Word says, uh, we're not to question God's how or when or so on and so forth. We're just to say what God has revealed and what we know that God is going to do. Other times, yes, we need to pray and see what the will of God is in a matter and what is the plain path. In Proverbs 6.25, lust not after her beauty in thy heart, neither let <coughs> her take thy, uh, thee with the eyelids. And this is one of the things we see and and the sexual sin we mentioned this morning is one of the worst there is because of all the destruction it does. Uh, it is, uh, destroys homes. It destroys families. It destroys churches. It destroys preachers. It destroys, you just name anybody that can be destroyed, it destroys them. And, and so these things we have to be careful of. Uh, when I was went in the ministry, one of the things that says this, and don't be in a house with another woman by yourself. That seems be easy enough, or don't be in a car with someone that's not your wife. But a lot of times you find yourself in a situation you're going to have to jump out of the car or you're going to get out of the house. And uh, and I'm surprised that how many, when you say, well, you, you can't come in, my wife's not here, that they get upset. And uh, let me say to you, Uh, these are the things that all of us need to pay attention to because even if nothing happens, if nothing happens, they'll be saying, well, you know, I said I'm going in the house over there and this, that, and the other because, and let me say, the devil's people there were. And he's waiting for you to slip up, me slip up, or somebody slip up, and and I think, uh, well, he's not a good example as far as what he believed, but nonetheless, he was... Uh, he was at Liberty Mountain, that's all I'll say, and and he was talking about that he's leaving the place there, and his his secretary was out there in the rain, and uh, she's waiting on, I don't know who she's waiting on, but nonetheless, somebody said, why didn't you pick her up? He said, I was in my car by myself, and that would be all that they would need. As I mentioned, the devil's out seeking who he may devour, who he may destroy, man's lust of the heart, man leads him to think the worst, not the better. And, and Psalms eighty-one twelve, So I gave them up into their own hearts, lust, and they walked in their own counsels. Isaiah 55, 8, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither your ways my ways, saith the Lord. For as, as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your, and my thoughts than your thoughts. And, and so... We look at God. God's not covetous like we are. We uh, And we say, well, preacher, I'm not covetous. It's hard to meet a human being that doesn't have a little greed. It's hard. I mean, somebody says, well, <clears throat> I'm going across cross I mean, whether we think God's in or not, they're paying me a dollar more an hour. So I'm going over there and take that job. And some people get out of the will of the Lord by doing that. Preachers taking churches because they had better benefits, and we could just go on and on the different scenarios that happen because of man's lust or covetousness, that we need to know what God would have us do, and sometime it's not the best paying job. Sometime it's not the most convenient place. Sometime it's not going to be a real good house that you're going to have to live in. And we could go through all of those things because God is teaching us, God is leading us, and God is directing us for what? For eternity. Not just what happens here, but He's molding and informing the people for eternity. We need a plain path to see the goodness of the Lord. There in our text in verse 13. Verse 13. I had fainted unless I had believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. What's David saying? He knew... God had good things for him. He knew that there was something better laying out before him, and when I mean better, is closer communion with God. Some of the things that we count better just shows that we're greedy. He said, "Well, uh, what kind of church you got there? Well, uh, not, it's not very members, but they paying me a hundred thousand dollars a year, and they're paying me two hundred thousand or what, as if that would make up for something, or vice versa, because the I've heard people call it the you know, parsonage, and you go on and on and on, the different things that we, some, I've heard different preachers say, in the same way with all of us. We have a tendency, say, so, well, if it's our children, they say, well, they pay a lot better than, than you know, what they're, this other's paying you, and, and we kind of guide them in that way, and, and uh, that's what's called greed. That's what's called covetousness. What we need to know is where would the Lord have us to work, where would the Lord have us to be, and what would the Lord have us to do? In Psalms seventeen Psalms 17, uh, four and five concerning the works of men, by the word of thy lips I have <coughs> I have kept me from the past of the destroyer, hold up my goings in thy path that my footsteps not slip, or that my footsteps slip not. And so, and we're looking for that good path. We're looking not to fall before our enemy. We're looking not to be subdued by him, and so we're looking for that path. And sometimes, as we mentioned before, it's not the good path that the world would choose or pick. And the destroyer has many paths, and and God will put us on the right path, the straight and narrow. People say, "Well, you've got to get on the straight and narrow," and of course, they take that when it speaks about uh, about those that come to Christ and the and the parable uh, and speaking about those that that, uh, that the path, the straight and narrow. But it's straight and narrow in the sense that it's not an ungodly path. It is limited, if you will. There's not a lot of move, a lot of room for movement, if you will, from going into unrighteousness or ungodliness. The straight and narrow is a path of righteousness. It is the path that all of us should be on, that we go with a straight and narrow way, as the scriptures mention. God's word gives us examples of the good way and the wrong way. First Corinthians ten six. Now these things were our examples to the intent we should not lust after evil things, as they also lusted. So why do we have all this information about Israel? I mean, half of it's not even good. I mean, we we think, well, this is supposed to be godly people. I mean, in our Genesis, our study in Genesis. I mean, just look at the things Jacob did and his family did, and Isaac did, and all these others did, and and they're there for an example. They show us the wrong way, and we read the scriptures to find out what the right way is. And it says it's there for our example, that is, for our learning, that we might learn to walk on the good path. And what would our Uh, scriptures look like if God put us in the scriptures and and says here's George and here's he was in his youth and this is after I delivered him and this is the things he done and would we have something like Jacob Would we have something like Paul and and so we see in the scriptures that we might uh, that we not should not lust after evil things we see the consequences of their evil action. The word of God reveals the plain path is to walk in the Spirit, and as we read this morning in Galatians 5:16. This say, I say then, walk ye in the Spirit, and shall not fulfil the lust of the flesh. 24 And they that are have are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and lust. If we live in the Spirit, we all shall also uh, <clears throat> let us also walk in the Spirit. Was it talking about crucifying these things? By the grace of God, we put off these things. They're dead to us. The things that used to be a part of us, the things that we used to just love to death, that are, if you will, evil and wicked, then we're to crucify them. We're to do away with them. We're not to have anything to do with them. They are to be dead to us, <laughs> and we to it. Whatever it is, Paul's speaking about the world was crucified unto him, and he unto the world. And so it it is both, if you will, that we be crucified unto the world and the world unto us. God's word gives us great, precious promises. <clears throat> In Second Peter one four, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that they <clears throat> that by these you might be partakers of the divine nature having n't escape the corruption that's in the world. And so we have all this, the path, if you will, that we escape the corruption of this world, that we get on the good path, and we put those evil things behind us, and we not get off track. Just because some other Christian can do something doesn't mean you can Just because some other church is doing something doesn't mean we ought to. We need to be careful that we're led of the Spirit of God and not by, if you will, our own spirit. We need a plain path to wait on the Lord. We mentioned here, you mentioned here, I think twice, to wait on the Lord. And this is kind of a theme throughout the Scriptures is patience, waiting on the Lord. And the good path oftentimes has those periods of time where you're waiting on the Lord. It's like having a flat tire when you're going somewhere, you've got to wait. Now, you either wait for uh, somebody to come and, and uh, help you fix your tire, or you've got to wait, uh, uh, if, that is if you don't have the tire and everything, you've got to wait uh, for <coughs> somebody to help you out. And then if you uh, have car trouble, you've got to wait for somebody to help you, take you to the next station or, and all these things, and yet we don't wait on the Lord. And we are to wait on the Lord, and a lot of times we spend our time waiting on the Lord. It teaches us patience, and one of the things that's hard sometimes for some is patience. Just literally waiting for God. Well, I thank God was in this. That's what happened. This is what happened. That happened. Let me say to you, if you know you're on the right path, He didn't say it's going to happen tomorrow. Whatever you're looking for, whatever the gold is, whatever's set before you, might not be here for a year or two. I, <clears throat> I think I mentioned before there was a, a thing in the scriptures. I was trying to understand, comprehend, prayed about it, prayed about it, prayed about it, and, and it was like two or three years later. I can't remember now how long it was. And I was at a conference, and a preacher just mentioned it, you know, like chasing a rabbit. He, didn't, he wasn't preaching that. He just mentioned it. And so he mentioned. it as clear as day. You know, I thought, why didn't I see that all the time? <clears throat> and that was God's time. And so some things we need to learn to wait on the Lord, and, and it may take a while. It tells us to be of good courage as we wait upon the Lord, and, and He shall strengthen thy heart. Wait, I say on the Lord, in verse 14 of our text. And not only are we to wait, but be of good courage. Don't get discouraged, be in good courage. Because you're God's person, and as God's person, He's leading you, directing you, and guiding you, and He's got something out here. And you say, well, I don't know what the next step is. Well, it might be glory. We don't know. But it might be something else, and we are to be patient, wait upon Him, and as we wait, we would be of good courage and not, if you will, get impatient and like a little child, throw a tantrum, you know, throw things around. Well, Lord, I don't understand what this is. And uh, sometimes as young Christian, we might do foolish things like that, but as we mature in the Lord, we should learn patience and that we be of good courage. Be of good courage because God's promises. Be of good courage because God delivers. Be of good courage because God provides. God takes care of His people. Wait on the Lord and be strengthened. In Isaiah 40 and 31, But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary, and they shall walk and not faint. And so the path that God puts us on is a good path, it is a path of growth. It doesn't necessarily mean that you and I are going to get wings. It doesn't mean that we're going to become strong people. That is, that instead of weighing lifting 100 pounds, we can lift 200 pounds. That's not what it's talking about. It's talking about our spiritual strength, our uh, our diligence, our faith—the spiritual aspects that God has given us. Then we do mount up on eagle's wing. We are strengthened in the way, <clears throat> and even though we may, if you will, have uh, no hair or gray hair, it <clears throat> it still God takes care of us, and if you will, we're still mounting up on eagle's wing. We're still being strengthened of the Lord, and. And uh, although the world would look at you say, well, I don't know. He's got longer. I know you can't already feed himself. And, and that's God's business. But what the Scripture is speaking about here is that we be strengthened on the inner man, that we have a strong, be a strong inner person that we serve God as we ought to. We're not to live by what we see with our eyes of flesh, but what we see by the spiritual eyes that God gives us. And we are not to... We don't uh, let your eyeballs or lust of eyes deceive us. We are to see, if you will, with the, what sight God gives us. Sometimes, if we need to search the Scripture, we got a problem or trouble. Search the Scripture. Sometimes we need to pray and pray and pray about it, and until God gives us relief and God reveals to us what He'd have us to do, our cry and plea before God should be that of David: "Teach me Thy way, O Lord," and Lead me in a plain path because of my enemy. and our enemy wants to destroy us. Just like a a roaring lion. That's what he wants. He wants to deceive us. wants to run our testimony. He wants to, if you will, destroy any goodness. And let me say that we have one that's stronger than our enemy. He can do all things. And the Scripture says we can do all things through Christ Jesus strengthen us or strengthen me. And if not, we look to God and He will teach us His way in a plain path. The desire is to see that path. If you are on the devil's path, repent and look to Jesus, who is the author and finisher of our faith, and get on the good track. And let me say to you, we're to set an example for those that are not in Christ that there is a good path. And not murmur and complain about the things that God brings into our life. Sometimes it's for discipline. Sometimes for our learning. Sometimes for our strengthening. Not necessarily in the physical man, but in the spiritual man.